Welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast, a real estate podcast where we bring you stories, education, and tips for investors and real estate enthusiasts. If you're interested in investing in real estate or just want to keep a pulse on what's happening in the market, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. If you enjoy our show, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Hello, everyone. This is Dave Menapace with the Hassle-Free RE podcast, and today we are going to talk about short-term rentals. Uh, my guest here, Mike Bafudo, uh, and I met when we were in Miami. I was at a short-term rental conference, and he was down there taking care of uh, some work for his, his day job there, um, and that really started this neat relationship, and he has a super cool story that I wanted to share with everybody today. Uh, so with that, Mike, don't let me steal the spotlight. Why don't you introduce yourself and let's have some fun. Let's jump right in, man. Yeah, let's do it. And, and what an interesting way to meet. I mean, uh, I was at a conference for, for my full-time job in, in advertising technology. And uh, I knew there was an STR conference going on in Miami at the same time. And hey, what, what better place to, to go network than oh. in Miami? And so I ventured over to the hotel, met you guys. And uh, I don't know if we remember much of what we talked about that first night, but uh, we got to catch up uh, following that and clear everything up. So yeah, Mike Bafuda, thanks so much for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Um, yeah, no, this is such a fascinating space. I, I really love everything about short-term rental investing and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Nice. Well, with that, why don't we, why don't we kind of talk about how you made the decision to get into short-term rental investing and we can kind of start wherever you want, maybe where you initially got the idea and how, how that all came to life. Yeah. So I, I always knew I wanted to get involved in real estate and I feel like there's so many different avenues and it sort of, uh, when I started looking at real estate, I'd call it maybe five, six years ago, it felt almost like a fad, right? It's like, are you in real estate investing? Right. Like, and uh, my wife and I, we weren't at the time. And so we knew we wanted to buy our primary home at first. And so we purchased our primary home here in uh, Fairfield, New Jersey. And all during that, we had been looking at potentially getting into multifamily investing in the Jersey area. And so we were looking in, in places like Jersey City and Weehawken and Hoboken. Uh, and we had been looking for like a year. I remember our weekends were just flooded with going to look at like, you know, homes built in the thirties in Weehawk and like these big historical homes. Uh, but the big problem there is the price point on them was like two, $3 million. And, you know, the, the, the cap rates on them and the returns just weren't there. Uh, so we looked for a little while, you know, thereafter, uh, I happened to be introduced to a, a net new realtor. I think our last realtor got worn out from all the homes we looked at. We weren't buying yet. So I feel bad for her. But anyway, uh, we have to introduce this gentleman who started. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll pay her back one day. Um, but uh, we got introduced to a new realtor and he started to show us a few properties. We only saw like two weekends of showing. So I feel like we hadn't worn out our welcome. And then one day I met him on a Sunday morning and he's like, yeah, I'm really excited. He's like me and a partner of ours. We just purchased a 16 bedroom home near Disney in Orlando. And I was like, 16 bedrooms, you know, that must've been, you know, two, $3 million. And he was like, no, like we paid, you know, whatever it was, I think it was like $800,000. And I was like, like a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, I know this is non-traditional. Uh, but would you be willing to introduce me to your realtor down in Orlando Kissimmee area? And like, you know, after a little prying, he finally did. And that's when we sort of, you know, uh, got involved in, in really taking a look at short-term rental investing seriously. Uh, in a matter of four months, you know, we found ourselves not knowing much about the space uh, and closing on a 10 bedroom home in Kissimmee, Florida, brand new construction, uh, it was a spec home. It was ready to go. And it's like 15 minutes from the park. And I think we got that for a little less than $600,000. Um, and then our, our adventure began, right? We were right. scrambling. We're like, 
you know, I was always told like punch above your weight and then, and then learn how to fight, you know, and that's, and that's what it felt like in short-term rental investing. I knew nothing. Um, and so what, what did we do as the first thing we got to get a property manager. And so we went down right. that rabbit hole and all these property managers like, yeah, we, we can do, you know, a hundred K a year and we're going to take 30%. And I was like, well, these numbers just don't add up. Um, and then I just started to do a lot more research and I found out there was almost like this, uh, this movement in short-term rental investing to, to sort of take back the reins and, and self-manage. And I was like, you know, well, I'm in advertising technology. A lot of what I do from a day job perspective is automation uh, and implementing systems to make sure things run smoothly. And from there, you know, we just, uh, I started going through, you know, Bill Faith's you know, short-term rental investing courses, the Superhost library. And I followed all of these other people in the industry that have really made an impact. Um, and then, you know, we just started setting up these systems. But the cool thing is, out of that big debacle of interviewing property managers, we were introduced to a lovely lady uh, named Karen Woodward. Shout out to Karen, she's amazing, uh, who really helped us co-develop this theme for our house. Um, you know, it definitely costed a little bit of money. Uh, and, you know, we, we got left with this amazing house with a Harry Potter movie theater, a pirate themed arcade room in the garage. Uh, a beauty in the beast custom room. I mean, this thing is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we, we were running projections that we would do a hundred K our first year. We did 180 gross our first year. It's amazing. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's been so much fun. Um, so let me, let me ask, like, I want to rewind a little bit. You know, one of the things that I love is that, um, you know, you were, you were looking in, in your own, your own area, your own sort of, you know, your own field, your own uh, yard for properties. You didn't see what you were looking for. Um, and you sort of picked up, picked up your toys and went to another sandbox. We did that as well with some long-term rentals. Um, when we started purchasing down in Tennessee, what did that discussion, like, so the light bulb went off. What did that discussion look like between you and your wife where you kind of were like okay yeah look this like like what was that to walk us through that because I think a lot of people are go at different paces within you know people that are in a relationship together and, and some people are cool with it and then the other one's not and it's like it's this thing how'd you guys work through that yeah my, my wife is upstairs currently if she was down here maybe she would answer this a different way but uh, she's like, wait, what? You want to buy a house in Kissimmee, Florida? Well, we live in New Jersey. Are you out of your mind? Um, you know, there was definitely some convincing uh, and reassurance that had to be played within our household. Uh, the dynamic of our household for a little bit was a little shaky, but like I knew this was possible. You know, I asked myself, like, what is it that a property manager, a full-time property manager is offering someone who's investing from another location, and and the and the and the real aspect to it all, I believe, is reassurance and convenience. And I was like, well, what aspects of a property manager offer reassurance and convenience? And it's boots on the ground and having a team. And so that that really, you know, made me realize right there and then. Well, we need to go ahead and establish a team. We need a cleaner, and we need a maintenance guy, right, or gal, whatever. Um, and so we started going through and interviewing and we met some really amazing people down there. You know, we have, a we have a cleaner that we rely on and, um, you know, we have, we have bonus systems in place for them to incentivize them to get us five-star reviews. So for every five-star cleaning review we get, we, we go ahead and send them, uh, bonuses at the end of the month to keep them encouraged. Uh, our maintenance guy, we have on a retainer so that no matter what, whether there's maintenance or not. Uh, he will get paid. And I think it's all about how we treat people. You know, I, I like to operate on what I like to call a consumer surplus, whereby we extract more value for the people around us than we take. Uh, and that's been like the ethos that I've always lived by for quite some time. If you treat people right uh, and you find the right team, it runs itself, you know? And then from there, it was like, all right, how do we do the rest of this stuff? And so, you know, I could go on for hours about the systems that, 
take time at first to put into practice in place. But from there, there's elements that you can set and forget, right? Um, you know, something as simple as the door locks. Like, I do not trust myself to remember to change the door locks for every new guest. Uh, but we can go ahead and system, systemate it, right? Like put systems in place through remote lock and we have Schlagen code. Uh, and both of those plug into our owner res platform where we manage our properties. And, you know, it, it, it regenerates a new code for every single guest that pulls into our uh, email templates that get sent to a guest to let them know that four digit code. And I've never had to get a call at three in the at 3 a.m. in the morning and say, hey, where's our four digit code? It takes care of itself. And so mm -hmm. a lot of it's leverage and a lot of it's a team. And so once I had all those things in place, my wife loved me again. <laughs> no, she loved <laughs> now, me. She loved me the entire time, but you know. They can love you, but not be happy with you. Um, That's right. Now, now, did you get all of those things set up before launching or did you sort of learn as you were going like, okay, let's start with the locks. And then, and the reason I ask is, you know, even like, you know, the, the bonus system for cleaners, sometimes you got to get burned a couple of times before you, this hits home, but not always. Sometimes you learn that right at the front end. So what were some things maybe that you started off with as systems? And then maybe what were some of the systems you implemented just based on experience of things happening or not happening? Yeah, no, some of, some of the stuff we implemented after the fact and some of the stuff we implemented right away. I think for us, we kept hearing about, um, you know, vacation management platforms and channel managers and stuff like that. And so we did a bunch of research and uh, at the end of the day, we agreed that owner res seemed like it would be the best fit for us, right? Mm -hmm. we, 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 we wanted to make sure everything uh, was synced across the various OTAs like Airbnb and Verbo, our direct site, localized sites, et cetera. Uh, we never wanted to have double bookings where we have to call somebody and say, hey, I'm so sorry, you can't stay because we already had a booking. Um, owner res allowed us the flexibility and ease to be able to uh, create email templates, have time triggers. We have a rental agreement, which we ask guests to sign as well. All of that is housed within owner res. Um, and then the unique thing about owner res, and this, I don't get paid from owner res. This yeah. is just a plug <laughs> for them, uh, is the functionality from an API standpoint. And for those that aren't familiar, APIs are just one system pointing to another, communicating with each other what they should do. Uh, and case in point is with remote lock. Right. So again, you know, when there's a booking that happens, owner res sends a signal to remote lock. Hey, booking on this date occurs. Can you generate a four digit code? And that four digit code is then set to the door lock and pulled in the email template. So those were things we knew we needed right away. Right. Um, another one as well is we use price labs from a yeah. dynamic uh, pricing standpoint. I I have no idea. Like I, I had a good idea of what our ADR average daily rate should be uh, through, you know, tools out there like AirDNA and DataRabu and other sources, but I'm not going to have the time to go in there with a full-time job that I do for a living to change my rates all the time. And so, you know, Price Labs is an API that plugs directly into owner res, which then pushes the, the rates out to Airbnb and Verbo. Uh, and that made a lot of sense to me. And so right. it's automatically doing optimizations along the way based on the demand in the market. And we go in there and we, we do some more advanced pricing strategies and optimizations. But like those were some of the systems that we, we put into place right away. Um, the bonus program came in after, not because we got burnt, uh, but because we learned about it and it just sounded like a really good idea. We wanted to make sure we're rewarding those around us for helping us, you know, build this, this business. Love that. Can you share, uh, like what, what that bonus structure look like, looks like. And the reason I ask is I've heard some people will do quarterly. Some people will do annual to kind of help keep those, you know, 
cleaners on full year. And then I've heard some people just say, Hey, after every time we get a five-star review, I just Venmo them an extra 20 bucks or 25 bucks. Are you comfortable sharing what your structure looks like just for people? Absolutely. That might be interested? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So we're very particular in terms of what we do not want overlooked. Right. And so what we've done is in our owner's closet in the Florida house. And we do this with our house in Gulf Shores, Alabama as well. Uh, on the back of the door, we have a laminated cleaning checklist. And look, do I think the cleaners are going to review this and go line by line every single time? No, uh, but it's used as a guide. It's used directionally. We And we get the same cleaner every single time. We do have backup cleaners, but the same cleaner eventually becomes very familiar with your property and they know what to look out for. And so we do it on a monthly cadence. At the end of every single month, uh, we take a look in Verbo and owner res and we're, I mean, I mean uh, Airbnb, we're very honest about this. You know, if we got three five-star cleaning reviews, not overall experience, just the cleaning section of it, uh, we give 25 per cleaner and we have two cleaners. So that's $50 per clean. Uh, so if it's three cleans at the end of the month, you know, it's uh, that receive five stars, that's an extra $150 for them uh, at the end of the month, you know, and we just right. continue doing that. Uh, we do, we do a Christmas bonus as well. You know, we, we generally, you know, it's not contingent on cleaning, uh, but it's, you know, we give a $250 bonus at the end of the year to each of the cleaners just in good faith. Um, and yeah. so those are the things that we do. We don't do that in Gulf Shores because the Gulf Shores isn't as profitable, but we do the regular, uh, cleaning bonus. Right. I love that. You know, one of the, it's really interesting. So now like with my cleaners, once I find one that I really like, especially if it's on the front end, when I'm buying the property, I'll actually like, I'll walk through the house with them as I'm getting ready to furnish the house. And there is a bit of a balance, but I do start off by asking them, I say, Hey, tell me everything that you hate. That's either already here or that you've grown accustomed to hating in other people's houses. And let's see if we can work together. An example, I find that cleaners really do not like bunk beds. They're very hard, for, but you and I both know a house, two houses next to each other, one that can sleep 12 versus one that can sleep eight. You're going to make more money at the one that sleeps 12, as long as people have enough general space, right? So I was able to work with them to find bunk beds where, where the bottom bunk is at floor level instead of two feet up. And so the top bunk is at four feet instead of six. Cool, they're happy again. But you know, I've had a friend that's so extreme. And it was a friend of mine who has several houses up in Maine who, who does the strategy with the cleaners. And he got so intense that he changed the flooring in his house because they hated mopping that one. <laughs> <laughs> but he's happy he's also pretty handy so him throwing down some floating floor over 1200 square feet was a weekend away and peace and calm for him it's not really for me but good for him so um but to your point i think that the more ownership that you can give these different people that are going to work in your short-term rental whether it's a handyman or a cleaner or whatever the more pride that they're going to have and and it really it goes a long way towards, towards keeping people, especially good people. And a lot of times in these vacation, I mean, up in Maine and, and Cape Cod where mine are, I do find that a lot of people are struggling, just hoping their cleaners show up. I have not had yeah. that problem, you know, so. That's right. It goes right. A long it's, way. Uh, that's so true. We, we've never run into the issue of that, but the walkthrough to your point is so important. We, we, uh, we got a property in Gulf Shores, Alabama, up and running. Actually, we closed. Uh, it was right right before New Year's Eve, uh, this past New Year's Eve. Uh -huh. And we were up and running in March. And I remember I met with the cleaner. And the owner's closet in the Gulf Shores Beach Cottage is like a four-by-four four entryway. You literally have to duck and like kind of crawl in. And our cleaner called us. She's like, there's a big problem. Like after we gave her a walkthrough, she's like, I'm claustrophobic and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, this, you know, she's not going to go in the closet, you know? And so what we ended up doing uh, to make her life a lot easier, we went back down there and we bought a bunch of shelving. And so right when you kind of like poke your head in, 
all of the shelving is right there. So you could just like reach her arm in and grab what she needs. And we keep that supplied. Um, you know, that, that was something that was important to her and we knew we wanted to work with her. She seemed like a great cleaner. And so we put that into practice. I love that. Another thing that I'd love to touch on is, um, you know, so you met with, uh, her name was Karen. Was it Karen Woodward? Was that her name? Karen Woodward. Yep. So, you know, you have this house, it sounds like it was somewhat of a, a blank slate, right? You've, you've just spent a, a, you know, even though it's cheaper now or then than it would be now, you've still spent, this is your first one, this is your baby. What, um, before jumping in and, and doing all like the neat sort of themed decorating, what were the numbers looking like? And an, like, an, an example is like, I know in Maine, I'm going to make 15% more annually if I have a hot tub, right? So like it was a no brainer for me to buy a hot tub. Um, and then of course I had to buy a generator so that we didn't lose power to protect the hot tub. <laughs> it's like this whole thing. But my, to my point, what was sort of that analysis like? Like, okay, we can spend this amount of money to do all this. Here's the additional income or occupancy. How did you work through that? Yeah, so we we had a pretty robust pro forma that we ran. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar, it's literally just our, our own Excel sheet that you, anybody can find online where we just took a look at, you know, what are those operating expenses, right? What are our cleaning fees? What are short-term replenishment on coffee, towels, toilet paper, soap, because we provide all that for our guests. What are long-term replenishment costs? What is our mortgage, interest rate, PMI, insurance? We had to factor all of that in. Um, and then once we went on sites like AirDNA and got a good idea of what our average daily rate and occupancy can be, you can actually start to figure out what sort of cash flow we would get post all of the expenses. Um, what we started to notice and you know, what, our, what our interior designer, um, Karen, let us know is like, hey, in order to be successful down in this market, you really have to theme it out. And you could, you could let, I'll let Karen tell you guys the story if you ever chat, but you know, I, I'm a trust, trust guy. Like I trust people, but at first, you know, when I hear you really need to theme it out, I'm like, well, but you're the interior designer. There's a conflict of interest there, isn't there? Uh, but after I started to do a little bit more research, it's the properties that were in that 75th, 80, 90 percentile of performance are the ones that really stood out. Uh, you know, Kissimmee is, I won't say oversaturated, but there's a lot of Airbnbs in Kissimmee um, and the competition can be fierce. And so we really wanted to make sure we put in the right time and money and effort into the house to make sure it stood out, not only in our community, but in the area of Kissimmee itself. And so, you know, we, we started working through some ideas. Um, you know, we, we put a little bit north of 100,000 into the house and, you know, we were able to uh, furnish the entire house. I mean, Florida ceiling, because it was, it was, there was no furniture in it whatsoever. Right. Um, and, you know, I, prices have probably changed since then to do such a theme job, but you know, we, we, we went in and we worked with them and, and, you know, there was a level of autonomy that we had to give to her as well. Um, again, she'll tell you the story if you ever chat, but I remember they were going through designing and doing the work and I'm like, oh, I don't know, like, are they going to get done? Is this going to look good? Is this going to look crappy? And, uh, you know, my pro not the property manager, the cleaner went in and she was like, oh, we're just going to go in, you know, put some supplies in. And I was like, hey, can you, you know, take a look around, let me know what's going on. And they started snapping pictures and the interior designer called me. She's like, why are they snapping pictures? I told you not to do that. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but there needed to be a level of autonomy for her and that required some trust. And we were amazed with the quality and craftsmanship of their work. I mean, they really made it stand out. Um, and what's also funny is, you know, we were told from other people in the industry, Hey, the moment you close on that house, get your listing up. Right. And I was like, well, there's no furniture in it. And you know, it's going to be a couple of like two months before we're done. They're like, well, do a really good job on your, your Airbnb copy then and start to paint the picture. And I remember, you know, my wife thought it was crazy. We put our listing up with no furniture. 
and we had it in our copy like this is going to be completed blah, blah. we had like six bookings within like the first wow. couple of weeks of putting it up with no furniture oh, um, you know yeah so we had a timetable to really deliver on and those guests were just you know amazed when they got there they got you know we, we had to really paint the picture for them they must have been blown away because i've seen photos <laughs> of it and it's thank good. you and, so much and for any of our listeners I'll, I'll put the airbnb link or if there's like a web uh if you have like a website for it i'll i'll put it into the show notes but i was amazed i was like damn <laughs> i want to go there yeah. enchantedroseVilla.com. we actually have like video walkthrough tours and breakouts of all the different rooms um but yeah and so i mean it, it was just it was a wonderful experience experience you know really making sure again that team is in place is you know and, and like how do you even build a team i was like how do we do that right. uh you know we're, we're we're in an age today where there's so much data and so much information out there and just go on to facebook right just go on to facebook and join uh the various short-term rental investing groups that are that are out there and just ask does anybody have a reputable cleaner in Kissimmee? does anybody have a reputable cleaner in gulf shores alabama and call and interview and do your due diligence and you'll definitely find uh, the right folks to work with. That's awesome. And, and honestly, I bet like going back to the design, you know, the difference could have been like in year one that called $80,000, right? Someone's telling you yeah. you'll make a hundred, you make 180, you know, I bet you wouldn't have touched that had you not made that investment. I hope my neighbor in Kissimmee never listens to this. But uh, our neighbor in our community down in Kissimmee, really great guy. Him and his wife were fantastic people. And I remember, you know, meeting them for, for the first time I went down there and I did a walkthrough of their house. And it was a beautiful house. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely beautiful, but incredibly light on the theming. A year later, you know, when you know, me and Marissa, my wife, were just ecstatic about how much we did in gross. He was calling me, asking me like they they were about to sell. They just weren't doing good at all. And I think it was two bedrooms smaller than ours. I think theirs was an eight bedroom. But I mean, side by side comparison, night and day, we were thriving and they were trying to keep the lights on, you know, and that right. made all the difference. And even with, um, you know, the, the Gulf Shores, Alabama property, actually Karen, we begged her, her and her team did us a favor and drove from Orlando to Gulf Shores to do our property in 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 Gulf Shores. Um, and, you know, our property within Westside Cottages is doing really, really, really well. And it's a tier two. Uh, and that's because we, we made the kids room with really cool bunks. And, you know, we have a gaming station, we have an arcade in there, the color palette of the house, the decor, the furnishing, all that is so important. It's like, how are we going to go buy a million dollar property or call it 500,000, depending on our price point, but not want to put a few thousand dollars into the interior design right. like that is so important uh and then i also see a lot of people make mistakes as they walk into their property after they they end up do spending a bunch of money to do some interior design and then they're snapping photos on their iphone it's like no we need to we need to fire fi, uh, find a professional photographer to go in there and take the right photos because photos are the ones that are going to tell the story when guests are looking on airbnb and so that was something we knew we had to do as well and, and on the, the photos front, and then I'd love to go back because I want to talk about the transition from one Airbnb to the second. So don't let me forget. Um, okay. The, the photos, it's really interesting. There are tons and tons and tons of photographers out there that do like real estate listing photos. As a, me being an agent, as well as a short-term rental operator, I will tell you there is a difference between someone taking listing photos and somebody taking... Airbnb VR like short-term rental photos because the short-term rental photos you really it's got to be like magazine worthy right like it's got to be staged it can be fixated on something neat like it doesn't I mean you get up to I think it's like 40 or 50 photos in each of those platforms and VRBO might even allow like 75 now I can't remember but it's like you know, I've had up in Maine, this drove me nuts. And we're actually going to get redo all of the photos because the photographer ran ahead of me and just started like snapping photos. And I can see like plastic shower curtain. I'm like, ah, oh, man, like that thing should have been shut. You know, I'm not a professional stager by any means, but 
you know, having like dinner plates set and like having, you know, kicking on the fireplace or starting a fire in the fire pit. Like there's uh, keeping the hot tub running. Like there's all these different things. And so if for anyone that's listening, if you can work with somebody who has specifically taken photos for short-term rentals, you're sort of one step ahead. Um, so with that, you have this property in Florida, it's going fantastic. You got the itch. You're like, I want, you know, I want another one. So let's talk about how you located and funded and set up um, the Gulf Shores property. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we definitely had the itch. We still have the itch. We're actually today, we're, we're about to make an offer on a property in, yeah. in Western North Carolina. So we're really excited about that. that. But, um, you know, I think the, the itch was sparked because yes, we, we were so successful in Kissimmee. We, we were, we're still successful. We're actually remodeling our game room as we speak right now because we want to make sure we keep it up to date and give previous guests a reason to come back and stay with us again. Right. And so yeah. we're making it into a, a Lego themed arcade room. Um, cool. But it has to do with our own. Uh, I'm really excited about that one for sure. It has to do with our own financial goals and the way we're actually uh, looking to invest. And so in Kissimmee, you know, we did it as a second home. We go there often. We're actually going down there in three weeks as a family. And so we nice. do qualify for that 10% down. And that made the deal much more favorable in Kissimmee. And so we wanted to reinvest in Kissimmee, of course. But what we started to notice is like, well, we already owned a property there. So the next one would have to be an investment property. And, you know, now the numbers are much more expensive. And now that we have to put 20 to 25% and do the interior design, it just doesn't make as much sense. And so I started to hear a lot about Gulf Shores, Alabama, Gulf Shores, Alabama, Gulf Shores, Alabama. And I was like, what is this Gulf Shores, Alabama? Like, I've never heard of Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, and so we started to do some research and it is a lovely place. I don't know if you've ever been there, Dave, but it is no. beautiful. Uh, and so- Okay. It, yeah. You got to uh, check it out, man. There's yeah. like this famous spot in Gulf Shores called the hangout, which is like spring ba break. It's, it's a wild place. It's not always wild down there. It's, it's family friendly for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it is beautiful. Uh, and it's really, if you follow the Florida sort of peninsula up, you know, Northwest, you hit right when you hit Alabama, it's there. So it's, it's almost okay. Florida. Yeah. Um, and we were like, so long as we go here and the numbers make sense, we qualify for another second home, a vacation home. And same thing. We love it so much. We go down there, we meet the requirements of, of the mortgage, but we knew we could do 10% down there as well. And that made the cash on cash return and ROI that much more favorable. And so we started looking down there, looking down there. I mean, beachfront properties, tier one on the beach, very expensive at least for us, right? Um, and so we we actually found a, a good short-term rental investor-friendly realtor down there, someone like yourself, Dave, who nice. knows the space, who's really helping clients, you know, run run analysis and stuff like that. And she uh, she found us a place in, in, in what's called Westside Cottages. It was built in 2020. Um, you know, I think someone bought it low and sold it a little higher. We were okay with that. And we bought that property and same thing, you know, we had, we had the interior design company come out and help us get it up and up and running. And, and that's been fantastic. And that's more realistic returns. I think we're doing about a 30% cash on cash for that one. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great, you know, and again, people are telling us, Hey, you're going to, you're going to really slow down in October. You're really going to slow down in September, but we've remained booked. I'd say at about 80% occupancy, through September and October. And again, I think it all goes back to, you know, how we really stage the place, our copy, our photos and the craftsmanship. And like, we, we really care about the properties, you know? And so, uh, yeah, so that was our second one. And then, and then all throughout all of this, I, in, in my company, you know, I, in, I'm in advertising full time. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, not to get too in, in in depth in my, my personal like finances, but like there's capital gains that happened in, in the last couple of years through equity sales and stocks from my company. Uh, and then, you know, this could be for a later conversation, but like we got uh, exposed to the tax benefits of short-term rental investing and we were just blown away. Um, and so that was just another 
perk to it all. I mean, similar to us, that is, you know, how we got into our first property was my wife's company went public. We didn't get a ton of money. And back then we didn't even know we could have done 10% down or we would have bought two houses, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, so we did like a traditional 20% down, but that money that we had from the stocks that, you know, had vested a year before or what have you, we just sat with it because we didn't, we knew we didn't need another car and we didn't need to buy a new house. So we just sat with it um, in like the brokerage account until this opportunity arose. And same, that was how we got into it as well. Um, and it's, it's obvious. I mean, I don't work at W2 anymore because of this cottage in Cape Cod and all the decisions that were made after that. <laughs> but, right. Of course. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so, um, cool. so that, so that is really neat. So you did 10% down in Gulf Shores. You were able to leverage the same design team and bring them up there. Um, you're seeing really great occupancy. And one of the things I always tell people too, is like, there's, there's a very, um, prescribed formula for revenue and short-term rentals. And it's super easy, right? It's occupancy times at a basic level, your average daily rate. And that's what you're going to make. You know what I mean? And so there's yeah. only so many levers that you can pull. Absolutely. You can pull the lever of adjusting the price, but really you want to keep that occupancy. I've found like the sweet spot for me is that in the high season, as long as I'm 95% or higher, I'm good. And in the low season, as long as I can keep it 50% or higher, then I'm really good, you know, because your choices are sort of shut it down for like in, in Cape Cod, we're fortunate that ours uh, has heat. So we can keep it open year round. We usually will shut it, like block off the calendar for a little bit because we enjoy making updates to the house and that's how we've leveraged equity. And it's just makes it so we can then turn around and raise the price each year when we do some stuff and uh, a lot of proactive things just to, you know, take care of headaches or what could be a headache. Was there any big change that you found from managing one property to managing two? And I ask because, you know, my personal experience when I had houses in different markets and different types of houses like, thank goodness I had the systems in place that I did because I would have just, I would really have no more hair up here. I would have lost it, you know? So what was that? Was it just like plug it in and you're good to go? Or were there things about the market that you had to learn and the clientele that goes to that market? It was a whole different ball game, right? Uh, and not in a, not in an overwhelming sense but to your point you know the the systems that we had put in place at the beginning when setting up the florida house and then thereafter you know slowly implementing additional add-ons to it allowed us without even knowing it to scale right and so like i think in this business scaling and future strategies is probably one of the most important things that you want to look at um, and again, we did it without even really knowing it, but it really played in well when we, when we got the Gulf Shores property up and running, because it was as simple as, uh, sort of rinse and repeating the email templates that we had. Yes. We had to tweak copy and adjust it. We had to go to Gulf Shores. That's another thing I always, you know, suggest is like, go to, you know, I mean, we, we closed on both of them actually, Florida and Alabama without, going there first like we just closed the numbers made so much sense but thereafter we went right we had to go there get it set up buy supplies etc and then do market research what what are some of the top restaurants around there how close in proximity are we to the lagoon and the pier for fishing um you know in in gulf shores we have things like beach equipment we have boogie boards we have bikes we have a grill right for that outdoor sort of appeal to families that it's a drive-in market that's really what gulf shores is i mean nope not many people from new york are flying to gulf shores for a vacation it's usually jersey shore uh but down there it's a drive-in market and so you really have to appeal and make sure you're setting up your copy and telling a story of the property to the people that it's going to resonate most with uh, and it's important to understand who they are right um and, and that also is super helpful when you do things like Facebook marketing. So for Orlando, uh, we do national, we even do some international 
advertising as well. We don't go crazy with budgets. I mean, we have minimal budgets, but for Gulf Shore, you're going to want to do a geo-targeted campaign to the surrounding markets within a drive-in proximity. So two very different markets, two nuanced markets. Um, you do need to do your research. Uh, and then also another thing you want to make sure is anytime you're looking at a new market is make sure you're following and adhering to the local municipality around zoning. You know, too many times I've heard of people investing in properties and trying to get them up and running in short-term rentals uh, for then all of a sudden, like right away realize, oh no, I can't operate as a short-term rental because of zoning restrictions. Right. And so we had to be familiar with both of those as well. And like you and I just ran into that with Salem, with, right. you know, Salem, Massachusetts. And, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day as a real estate agent in Nashville and you know, he kind of learned the hard way. He bought a house that was in an HOA and they had a restriction on short-term rentals in that it's outside of Nashville, but like, uh, you know, these are, these are all things that a few phone calls looking online can kind of get you where you're going. And like you and I have talked, like some restriction is not bad or some sort of process is not bad, right? Where, you know, Cape Cod, for example, their process is really simple they allow you to have, I think, like two people per bedroom based on the size of the septic tank and then add one more. So my two bedroom cottage there can sleep five. You know what I mean? And that's cool. Absolutely. That's simple. That's easy. Up in Maine, they're, they don't even have a code enforcer for buildings. So they're a long way away from having any sort of uh, permitting system for short-term rental. But, you know, there's these nuances are out there. They're really, really easy to find and important to know, I would say. Yeah, no, so important. And even like, you know, I think it's uh, a little regulation is good, right? It yeah. kind of keeps some some confinement on it. You know, there's, there's sort of requirements already in place. Um, it's not the wild, wild west when there's a little bit of requirements like licensing and inspection, whatever. Those things can tend to be good. Right, right. And what is nice, I mean, when I went, when I was buying these long-term rentals in Tennessee, I was not going to bother myself when I was putting 10 grand down on a hundred thousand dollar house. But certainly, you know, like up in Maine, uh, well, Cape Cod, I had been vacationing in that same exact part of Cape Cod for 10 straight years. So it was like, I knew that thing inside and out as an agent now I've sold a lot of houses even though I don't live on Cape I live an hour and a half away but just because I know you know on this side of the street it's worth 600 on that side of the street it's worth 500 you know what I mean like I know those Absolutely. things up in Maine my house is near uh, Sunday River Ski Resort I grew up like driving four hours north every February vacation and going skiing there so I had a good general awareness of like what was happening up there, but it is good. You know, Bill's told a million war stories of <laughs> he's gone somewhere and learned something and walked away from deals. So it's just, it's important to know what you're getting into. Um, so what, what's, uh, what's the next phase? I know you have, you know, hopefully, you know, we have one for you under contract soon. What's sort of your, your broader goal five or 10 years out, what would make you really happy if you were to look back and see, you know, these, these are the trees we've planted. Yeah, I think uh, one, uh, I think, is, is making enough in short-term rental income that I can go ahead and say I'm comfortable walking away from a W-2 job. Uh, I want to be able to do this full-time. I, I, I love it. I love everything about it. And, and yes, it's stressful sometimes. Um, and yes, there's things to deal with and, and that is life, right? Um, we we want to go ahead and start uh, eventually making really strategic purchases in markets where we want to travel often. Um, Gulf Shores, it was one that made sense from a numbers perspective. We want to get to that position where um, we start thinking long-term of like, hey, you know, when we're older and we're retired, we just travel the States, maybe internationally, maybe we do some Airbnbs internationally. And right now it's, it's the houses that we're buying are based solely on ROI and cash on cash rate. 
uh, right? Because we want to get our, our working capital back sooner than later so that we can continue to reinvest and scale. Um, over the next, I'd say three years, we want to add at least three to five more properties to our book of business. And, and all along the way, we learn new things, right? Uh, the one that I'm looking to get under contract right now, that would be another 10% down because it's in another market. Right. Um, but that gets capped after a certain time. You can't do that. I believe what, four times you could four, do that. And it might vary. Five, depending yeah. on and then after that, you got to start, start looking at alternative ways of, of, of financing and funding. Um, and so we want to cap that out as soon as possible, right? With deals that make sense and continue to look to scale from there. And again, you know, we want to we want to do it so that it makes sense from from a tax benefit benefit perspective. So we work with a real estate CPA right now, where you know our our minds were blown at at the at the benefits of real estate investing, and not only just traditional real estate investing, but particularly short term rental investing, where if you work on your property more than a uh, hundred hours or more, and more than anyone else you qualify for true material participation. I had no idea what that meant, uh, but that meant that property can move from passive to non-passive and we can actually take a loss on that property through more advanced tax strategies, which uh, things like accelerated depreciation, which eventually would get phased out, right. uh, but that'll allow us to offset capital gains on our, our stocks and personal, uh, which has just opened our eyes so much you know, from a tax benefit. And, you know, Robert Kiyosaki always talks about that he, he doesn't pay any tax. He does. And he gets rich off other people's money. What does he call it? Like uh, OPM, other people's money. He yeah, talks about OPM. that. All, all, OPM, that all started coming <laughs> to life. And I'm like, wow, everything I've been reading up until this point, we're actually starting to live. So long-winded answer. We're just trying to scale as Love much it. as feasibly possible. And we're trying to stretch ourselves as individuals as well. Well, and, you know, I, so Kim and I are, are really wired like you in that, you know, once we have enough in our savings account where we can weather, you know, a six months of no income, at least for one of us at that point, like that money's not doing any good by growing in our bank account. And, and we, we've seen the proof in the, in the houses that we've bought, we could do 10 pod, we, we could do a podcast only on that topic, probably, That's right. you know what I mean? But uh, to your point, when we start to look at that and we say like, okay, putting that in a growing asset that is at least growing in value by whatever inflation is, you know, I'm about to raise my nightly rates for next year by 9.1%. Why? Because last time I checked, that's what inflation was and people still pay it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, it's just, there's a lot to it. And, and what I try and tell people is that, you know, we're at doomsday scenario, right? Worst case scenario, you can sell a house and you can go on with your day. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like these, and, and how to find, how to underwrite them and analyze them. There's, there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of people, you know, some of the met, like the mastermind you're in. I mean, so it's amazing. I, I totally agree. And it's fun. Like, I don't know about you, but I get fired up every time I see a five-star review. Every time, man, we live for it. I, I still like I'm, anybody that wants to hear about that five-star review, I'll call them and tell them, you know, it's great. Yeah, uh, it's, it is. It's but yeah, best. for anybody that's, that's listening, it is the best feeling ever. It really is. And it's like, and I love, I don't want to pester our guests. Right. So I don't call them or like, you know, but if one of them calls me, like, I like build friendships with these people. I like, I'm on a text basis sometime with some of our guests. And it's just, you know, listen, I think um, the benefit of it for sure is the revenue, right? It's, it's, it's making money from, from short-term rental investing. But like the, the other benefit to it as well, especially in Florida, is seeing families come together. Like I had a guest text us three weeks ago a selfie shot of their entire family in our oh. Kissimmee Airbnb property down there. And they're like, you made this happen. You brought our family together. And I, like, I, it was almost like a tear in my eye. I was like, so happy about that. You know, people like really love it. We get to put smile on people's faces. And, um, you know, I always heard that, that old sort of saying, like, 
you know, do something you love and it won't be work, you know, and that that's it right here. What we're doing this like, isn't work. It's, it's really not, you know, I mean, it is, but I love it. So it's so much easier to do. I love that. It is like, it is fulfilling. It is, it is super, super fulfilling. Um, well, with that, I know we're, we're coming towards the end of our time here. How can, uh, and, and we'll put both your Airbnb links in the show notes. How can people, uh, how can people find you though, if they want to ping you and, and ask sort of what you've done or how you've done it? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you want to check out our Florida house, which I definitely highly suggest, it's enchantedrosevilla.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an Instagram. It's just M Bufudo. That's M B as in boy, A, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, U, T as in Thomas O, 85. That's Instagram. You can message me on there. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to give the other sort of Facebook channels that we have for our other property. Uh, if, if anybody's interested, feel free to reach out. If anybody's interested, feel free to reach out and ask questions. I'm happy to you know help people along their journey as they're just getting started. Um, it was done for us. So we want to go ahead and pass that on as well. I love it. Well, thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. And we should have, if the offer does get accepted uh, in North Carolina, it would be fun to have you back on and we could kind of walk through more like the beginning stages of getting one of these things ready. I think that would be super cool, sort of in the moment or almost a little series on it. Yeah, I'd love that. This one's going to be a little different too, because there's going to be actually some remodeling. So it's a not as new of a home. So it's a completely new ball game. I've been on phone the phone today, even before you know we we get an offer accepted with uh, contractors down there trying to figure that all out. But we'll make it work. So yeah, let's definitely have another session if that goes through. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. Again, for everyone, this was Mike Bafudo and. All of the links and everything, those will be in the show notes. And thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. 